Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Cool. Thanks, John. Welcome. My name is Bob. I'm a sexaholic. I will be your leader for this session. Uh, in the spirit of fifth tradition to carry the message, this rest, or, uh, session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during this session. If you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate by listening and attending another session. We ask that those who choose to uh, share step up to the microphone. I put a chair over here so that those who listen, uh, the recording can can follow the the discussion. Okay, will you please join me in a moment of silence followed by the Serenity Prayer? serenity, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This is the essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. We do not cross-talk, that is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the I, not in the we or in the you. We leave out our other identities at the door, including politics, religions, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the essay point of view. Our meetings focus on the essay approach to recovery, so whenever possible, we avoid the mentioning of titles and authors that are not essay-approved literature. We avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. When the sharing strays, we can remind each other of our commitment to these guidelines by quietly raising our hands. And uh, each of our, let's see, we let, um, I will now open a meeting for sharing your dis- uh, questions after I uh, start the meeting. Again, we ask that those who choose to share up set up to the microphone so we can uh, listen to the recording and follow the discussion. And we ask to be mindful of time or the others allow a chance to share. Well, I guess we don't have any problem with that today. We have only a few in here t- right now. Again, my name is Bob. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Bob. Hi, Bob. Today is uh, May 7th, 2007. And uh, I felt very blessed to to uh, be here today and sharing a 12 step. Uh, I've had a few meetings in the past, uh, not a, but never on a 12 step. And uh, this is what I love to do the most. Uh, what Sexaholics Anonymous and recovery as a whole has uh, done for me is, is give me purpose for my life. You know, all my life, I that's what I was searching for, to have purpose in life. And I had no idea how to find that. Uh, there's no uh, sexaholism that I know of in my family. I'm the first one in my family to have the issue that I believe. I don't know that. Uh, my father was 53 years old when he uh, conceived me, and my mother was 42. My mother died when I was 11 years old, and uh, my father passed away some uh, 21 years ago. So uh, I found recovery 11 years ago in uh, AA. And uh, so, as in recovery, I never got to really ask him any questions as time went on. If there was, uh, you know, something in my past that that would help me in my recovery, but I found out as uh, what I need to do is uh, 
Well, put it this way. I'm going to read right from the book. It tells me to do. The joy of living is the theme of A's 12 step, and action is its key word. I certainly found that true in my life. Here we turn outward towards our fellow alcoholics and sexaholics who are still in distress. Here we begin the kind of giving that asks no rewards. Here we begin to practice all 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. When a 12-step is seen in its full implications, it is really talking about the kind of love that has no price tag on it. And that's certainly been true for me. Uh, I found recovery, and uh, I lived in uh, McMinnville, Oregon, for uh, 12 years. And uh, that's where I, uh, I found AA. Uh, after I worked the steps of my first uh, sponsor, uh, I, I was listening to an, uh, uh, somebody else in the, here in the convention, and they were talking about uh, how their AA sponsor really could fit the bill <laughs> in this program. And then, you know, I found that same thing that happened for me. My, uh, my AA sponsor was uh, uh, still acting out sexually, at least emotionally, spiritually, even though he wasn't doing it physically anymore. And, uh, you know, it just it didn't work for me. And I had to move on to uh, Sexaholics Anonymous. Basically, when my mother died when I was 11 years old, I, uh, I realized that uh, uh, I couldn't trust the God that I, I grew up in. I, uh, I was brought up Lutheran, and uh, I lost total trust in this God. You know, I prayed to him over and over again, uh, so I let my mother die, and it didn't follow through. And uh, you know, I uh, when I when I got in the A originally, you know, obviously I had a drinking problem. But uh, how I dealt with that that stress and that uh, disconnection from God basically was to act out. And I don't know exactly when that happened. Uh, it was a couple months before my twelfth birthday, before my mom died, and. Uh, it didn't take long after that. I remember uh, a friend of mine described what masturbation was, and uh, it didn't take long before I, you know, I, I think within probably the next 24 hours I tried it out on my own. And uh, to me, I found a secret of life, that uh, things were better. You know, I look back in those days that, uh, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. And as far as conversations with sex with my father, I mean, then, I didn't have any conversations with him at all, basically. I mean, he was a, I don't know if I'd really say he was an alcoholic, but he did have a, definitely had a drinking problem. Uh, but uh, it wasn't until I uh, found alcohol at age 15 that, uh, again, I found, I thought, this is the secret of life. And that uh, continued for the next uh, 10 years until I found my first wife, who uh, my first wife may have been uh, maybe uh uh, candidate for this program or the a non-program, I don't know that, but uh, things changed at that point because I stopped my behaviors, uh, and uh, I was a good husband on the outside, but in the inside I was being tortured because I couldn't act out when I wanted to. I, you know, I had to have cooperation from my spouse, as I thought, you know, because God forbid I would never cheat on my wife, you know. But you know, I didn't know what the definition of cheating was, really, which I found out later. It's uh, actually having sex before you get married when you're uh, engaged to your wife. That's cheating. You know, I never considered that cheating before, but today, uh, cheating is much deeper a level for me. But uh, as time went on, I. Uh, uh, my drinking got worse, and my acting out uh, stayed pretty much at the masturbation level. I didn't. Uh, I uh, my disconnection from my wife got worse, and to the point where uh, after four years we got divorced. And I ended up getting married about a year and a half later to another woman, and uh, we were married for 15 years. And she was a sexual anorexic, alcoholic, and uh, she had tons of issues, but. Uh, a very insane marriage, and we got along uh, pretty well, actually. I don't know why that would occur, but uh, as long as I was doing what she wanted me to do and uh, and she did what I wanted her to do, we got along quite well. 
Uh, she uh, drank herself to death in uh, September 2005 uh, after several different rehabs. And it was right after she died is uh, when I when I found out about SA. Like uh, I said, it was right before that. I started going to meetings prior to that. But, uh, you know, I was the person, just like I did when I started in Alcoholics Anonymous, I was the guy sitting way in the back listening and not tr- these people have got to be crazy in here. They're not actually doing what they're saying they're doing. And trust any of you people. But it wasn't until I got to be a homicidal and suicidal that I got a sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, things started changing. And uh, that's why I'm here today for this uh, meeting, this 12-step meeting, because uh, what I find, what, what I always wanted to do is be helpful to others. And I always wanted to... Uh, learn how to have intimacy with another uh, man. Because that's, that's just not something I had with my fallen father. And uh, you know, today intimacy to me is uh, being real with each other and being able to uh, talk about things that, you know, what really does matter inside you today? Why, what's bothering you? You know, I want to know those things. And, uh, and so I loved, uh, love sponsoring people today. Uh, but action is the key. And the reason I'm bringing that up is uh, uh, I felt very uh, disconnected when I came to the uh, this convention because I finished my 12 steps with, uh, I shouldn't say finished them, I went through the 12 steps with my sponsor back in, uh, right around Thanksgiving that was. And since then I would have been quite busy at uh, work and uh, at the house. And I uh, dropped off about one meeting a week. And when I got here, it was amazing how disconnected I felt. But uh, it's better today. Yesterday, you know, the meetings uh, helped a lot and uh, talking to a few of the people. I can remember when I got sober in AA, I was so good at talking in front of people because I was so full of shit all my life. And I had no problem standing in front of people and, uh, uh, you know, putting out the BS. But the reality is that uh, today... Uh, you know that, that facade's gone, and I and I love that. I could sit here and look at you and I and being honest with you. I never thought that was possible. You know, so for me today, uh, the twelve steps. Well, I'd like to read something out of here. That twelve by twelve. And I had it highlighted, and I started reading more. Practically every ASA member declares that no satisfaction has been deeper and no joy greater than in a 12-step job well done. To watch the eyes and men and women open with wonder as they move from darkness into light, to see their lives quickly fill with new meaning and purpose. To see whole families reassembled. To see the sexaholic outcasts received back in his community in full citizenship. And above all, to watch these people awaken to the presence of a loving God in their lives. These things are the substance of what we carry as we carry the essay message to the next sexaholic. Nor is this the other kind of 12-step work. We sit in essay meetings and listen, not only to receive something ourselves, but to give reassurance and support which our presence can bring. If our turn comes to speak at a meeting, we again try to carry the essay message. Whether our audience is one or many, it is still 12-step work. There are many opportunities even for those of us who feel unable to speak at meetings or who are so situated that we cannot do much, that they cannot do much face-to-face 12-step work. We can be the ones who take on unspectacular but important tasks and make good 12-step work possible, perhaps arranging for the coffee and cake after the meetings where so many skeptical, suspicious newcomers have found confidence and laughter, comfort in the laughter and talk. This is the 12-step work in the very sense of the word. Freely you have received, freely give. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do today. If anybody would like to share today, please come up in the chair. And uh, 
speak into the mic. My name is Nick. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I, I feel unequal to the 12th step generally because I think of the 12th step from an AA tradition of, of you know of going to the door with a, you know a couple of other guys and and and, um, and confronting somebody and and, and uh, about their, their their drinking problems and, and bringing them to a meeting and that that sort of stuff and and I've never done that any sort of thing like that in terms of. Uh, uh, confronting somebody about their sexual behavior or uh, um, and partially I think that has something to do with the fact that most of our acting out takes place you know not out in the open and in bars and everything like this but um, it also uh, may, and maybe some, some failure of mine but what I do do and what I feel okay about doing is um, is, is the service aspect of, of things is, as, as being of service carrying the message on sharing it at, at meetings um, even when I think, well, what I have to say is pretty lame, um, but just trying to be genuine. Um, and but also in particular um, is making sure when people come into uh, our meeting, my home group, that I'm, I make sure I greet every newcomer, and that I give them my card and I tell them call me. Um, and mostly they don't. I think they're pretty much terrified about about the, the whole thing. But sometimes they do, and uh, and. And, you know, that it's really true that it keeps it green for me. I remember what it was like, the terror I felt coming into that, that first meeting, and um, the anxiety about how this could ever possibly work, and, 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 and the impossibility of getting rid of this behavior um, that, that I had, and talking people, you know, off, off the ledge and, 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 and into the rooms, and... Reminding them that you know, just keep you know, just bring the body. The mind will follow you. Just put your butt in the seat. All those, all that jargon, all that uh, other stuff. Just trying to pass the message on to them, and and in it's really I have found in my experience it's really true. Giving back to others is how I get the program. That I always I always get much more from my sponsees than I get from my sponsor. God bless them. And and it, it's trying to trying to figure out. How to be of use to other people is the way to be most useful to myself. And so I'm really grateful to be here today, and, and thanks for your lead, Bob. Thanks. Thank you, Morning, I'm Joe, grateful recovered sexaholic. By the grace of God and his fellowship, I've been sober since March of 2001. Got into the program in uh, November of 1994. And I, I can relate to what Nick is it? Nick said about the first meeting. I, I felt real shame, guilt, and, uh, but what I felt there was a welcome. And as I listen to guys sharing I finally felt I wasn't alone anymore <laughs> that this is where I belonged and, and uh, of course my crazy thinking uh, a therapist had gotten me to say well you got to get to these 12 step meetings essay and he said you got to go to at least six meetings so in my crazy mind yeah I can go to six meetings I get fixed and I'm out of here you know the, the <laughs> magic cure I'm out of here <coughs> Um, thank God, His grace, uh, I kept coming. And uh, things began to happen. I had my slips, uh, but the last 11 years have been really, uh, really good, different. I, I was leading this double life, and, and, I, 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 and I, I was torn, you know, and, I'm, I'm, and that was really rough. That was really tough. It, it took a toll on me. Depression, you know, anxiety, fear, the whole bit. And now I didn't have to live this life anymore. That, that double life. I could live one life and feel good about, cause I didn't feel good about Joe when I got in here. I felt, man, I, I'm, a, I'm the scum of the earth, you know, kind of. And, and the fellowship said, wait a minute, you're a child of God. You know, you're really loved by Him. And, and that, that's 
what I focus on. And writing a big book on page 20, it says about doing service, which you guys are talking about. That's even before it talks about the steps. It says about doing service. That will keep you sober. So I sponsor guys, and uh, that's a good thing. And I get to meetings, and I spend time with my sponsor every week, at least an hour. All good things. Uh, and like Hanek said last night, it's just a day at a time. I got to do this a day at a time. Sometimes minute by minute, you know, when that lust thought comes in, or uh, when and all my other defects, like uh, you know, I can I can really take your inventory in a split second and, and make that judgment. And I want to say something, and I hear you guys say, "Just shut up, just shut up," you know. <laughs> And boy, I, w- I really want to say something, but I just keep hearing you guys say, just shut up. And I do. And it works. And I feel peace. And I, I feel, uh, there's so many gifts in this program uh, that, that, that are of God. And it's a God program. And somebody said, God is love. Yeah. So I was taking the actions of lust. Lust was my God. And I was saying, wait a minute. You know, God is love. This is not. So, when I take an action now, I, I, I try to remember, is this an action of love? Because if I'm going to challenge you to something you're saying, or that's not an action of love, you know? If, if I talk about you behind your back, that's not, all kinds of things. I know within my heart, it's not right. I need to bring God in there and, and, and just take an action of love. So, uh, just living life on life's terms now is, is, and all these wonderful sayings of, of AA or an essay are just great. Day at a time, minute by minute. You know, watch the ego easing God out, all that kind of stuff. Really, really helps. And just work in the program on the day, getting the meetings, sharing, welcoming the newcomer. I think, cause, cause yeah, I can, when I first got in there, people came up to me and welcomed me. And I felt, wow, you know, these guys really care. And, and, and there's a bond. There's a, it reminds me of, of, of the apostles and how they must have grown with the Lord. You know, because they were all coming from different things. And they were all messed up, you know. And he welcomed them and embraced them. And so we have a spirit there and it's God's presence in every meeting. And that's what we go away with. And um, it's easy at the meetings to follow. When I walk out that door and then hit the real world and things start to happen... That's when I got to put my program into work. You know, I really got to work at it. So uh, I'm grateful to be here and grateful for the program. Thanks a lot for listening. Hi, I'm Bob, and I'm a sexaholic. Um, I am a good and worthwhile person worthy of recovery and um, um, and I have um, this uh, program is uh, burning in my heart and um, and I really really need to share this um, with guys in the rooms because um, I've, I've walked into rooms where there was no hope and um and it's a bad place to be um and what i want to do is give hope and i want to share what this program has done for me because it's changed my whole life and um and i was in a really really desperate place when i walked into the rooms for the first time um i mean you know i'm 62 years old and i've only been in the program three years it took me a long time to get this message um and um and and I was just in a really miserable place, and um, and I really really loathed myself. Um, and what working the steps did for me is, um, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, um, but what I did was I changed. Um, they gave it gave me a chance to change. Um, that working the steps, I got to see who I really was for the first time in my life. Um, because I was so many people to different people that I didn't know who I was. And, um, and, uh, and so I wanna, I, I just, 
I want to share that. I want to tell people. Um, and when I and and being a sponsor is is one of the greatest gifts in the program, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I know that I get much more from from them than they ever get from me. But what I want, being a sponsor, is I want to give them the chance to change their life and to um, to change everything and to be a much better and be a much better place. And um, and a lot of guys in the rooms really don't like themselves very well. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. And I want to let them know that um, that you have to give that shame and guilt up. You can't live in that shame and guilt. Because when you're living in that shame and guilt, guess what? You think that that you're not worthy. That God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. When the opposite is the truth. God wants to have a relationship with you. You are important to God. And um, and what a gift that is. And being in the rooms and um, knowing that in those rooms that people care about me. Um, I mean, I've been searching for people to care for me my whole life and doing it through sex. And it didn't work. They didn't give a shit. Excuse my French. Um, I'm on. This is on tape, no less. Um, but anyway, um, um, I didn't say it was perfect. <laughs> um, uh, but that's that's a real. There's so many gifts in this program, and I just want other guys to to see those gifts and to have a um, a chance to get those gifts. Um, and it takes work. Um, but in reality, it's it's pretty simple. It's just working the steps and and having a good sponsor and and listening to God talk to you. If not in the meetings, um, then there's experiences I know in my life that God absolutely generated those things to help me when I was at the worst point in my life. And um, anyway, thanks. Tim, powerless over shame and lust. Uh, September fourth, oh nine. It's the first time I've spoken this weekend, um, which is a good thing for me. I need to shut up a lot more than I. And by the way, I, I know French too. <laughs> what has amazed me is um, the things my higher powers enabled me to see now that I never saw before. Um, there was a tremendous amount of joy in in my life, there for the taking. Um, but I I shaped it into my own version of that it had to feel like a certain thing. Um, it had to look like a certain thing. It had to go by my parameters. Of, um, and it usually was this powerful feeling. Um, I've now come to see that uh, joy's all around me. Um, if I'm willing to see it. Uh, and this program has just, um, it's like the optimist, uh, optometrist dream. I see so much clearly now. Um, and because I remember prior to getting in program, um, there was the gifts that God had given me enabled me to do some incredible things. Um, and I look back now and I'm thinking, you know, how humbling that is where I was, um, that double life that we refer to all the time, um, and still enabling me to do his work with no appreciation for it on my part whatsoever. Um, 
And those gifts of joy, I couldn't hold on to them. They were so fleeting because I didn't feel worthy enough to, you know, uh, to have that in my life. And, uh, and now I see, uh, and I'm, I'm referenced to, you know, the meetings in the rooms and, um, my home group is a Saturday morning meeting and I love being there. I love just walking in that door, um, and and the joy that I feel. It's so much, so often, so much more quiet and peaceful. Um, and I know there's those parts of me that still want to resist it and say I'm not worthy of this. Um, I'll never be good enough. All those core beliefs kick in um, once I start feeling any emotion whatsoever. Um, but to be able to um, to now recognize that I have an opportunity every day uh, to share this joy. The uh, I think the the thing that the, you know there's so many phrases that we pick up, um, and one of the ones that has just hit me so hard is what is is. And everything else is my attitude toward it. To be able to to see that from moment to moment in my life, um, and it, there's uh, a book that my son gave me, uh, who's also in recovery. In fact, predated me in recovery, in another fellowship. Um, and, and talk about joy, just the joy of living in a family. Of recovery, um, we speak the same lingo. Um, things that used to go on for months now, at worst, may go on for hours. Um, it, it, to be able to, um, you know, and he had given me this this gift for Christmas, uh, a book called "The Way of the Peaceful Warrior." And as I'm reading through that, it's it, it's a recovery book. You know, um, you know, the main character in it is a sponsor, uh, taking this person through the steps of their life. So it, uh, I am just so grateful to be a part of, uh, of the joy of this fellowship and, uh, you know, hopefully taking all this back with me to, uh, to my homegrown. Thanks. I'm Jonathan. I'm a sexaholic. Um, you know, that step 12, carrying the message to the, the sexaholic who still suffers. Um, you know, I, I, I struggle with that step. Um, you know, as has been said, you know, the, with some of the newcomers, it's like a revolving door. They come in, they come out. Um, a lot of them don't stay. But, um, you know, I know for me, I just need to talk about my own experience. And um, you never know who that's going to resonate with. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people, I've been in the fellowship for about two years now, um, and seeing a lot of people after me come in and, and stay with the program and, and you know, this really appreciate hearing that message. And I know for me, uh, the people that carry the message before me, I needed to hear that. I needed to resonate with certain things and, and um, just feeling welcome. Um, uh, I'm part of the, the Rochester, New York fellowship, and we have an open meeting on Tuesdays. And uh, I just remember coming in that first meeting and, you know, they had, they started giving hugs and I didn't know what that meant. You know, I felt a little standoffish, but, you know, I never got that in my family. You know, my, in my family of origin, we told each other we, we loved each other, but the actions of love, you know. Um, and this program has really shown me those actions of love and to be able to incorporate that in my recovery and, and to, to pass that on to others. Um, it's good, you know, and uh, it's really the actions, not the words. I have to continue to remember. I always feel like I got to say the right word or talk to a member and and, and to and to to woo them. But really, it's just taking the actions, just by you know meeting and greeting them when they first come in, uh, and listening, and you know, um, you know, trying to get their 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 uh, contact them, you know, uh, through the phone. Um, and it's it's been wonderful. It's really been the highlight of my recovery is to talk to the newcomer 
or the the sexaholic who's still suffering because I it, it reminds me of where I came from and how much I struggle because I need to remember that you know uh, that's why I kind of like the the, the the first step meeting with all the newcomers because you know I, I've been in the program a, a while and I know when I feel good for a while then the program starts to slip so when I, I see that pain of others I got I remember where I was at. And, and, and when I remember where I'm at, I have an opportunity to, to help and outreach to them. Um, you know, the, the second part of that 12 step is, uh, carrying those, uh, principles in all my affairs. I need to also remember that second part of the 12 step because I need to incorporate the 12 step, all the steps in my life at all the times. Um, especially 10, 11, and 12 because that's, where the change in personality, that's the change um, in the right direction for me. Because um, when I first came into recovery, you know, I went to meetings, I made phone calls, I was making these connections, you know, the social outlet, I felt good, but it didn't keep me sober. I had to do those things plus work the steps. And, um, you know, now that I've worked the first nine steps, you know, 10, 11, 12, I gotta work in my, in my life. And I, 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 10, 10, 11 are pretty good, but tw- step 12, I'm carrying that message, you know, I, I struggled. Well, that, I have to be a sponsor to do that? You know, I've had opportunities to sponsor people, but they never really worked out. But I see that step is really just talking to another, another sex drunk and, and just talk about, uh, recovery. And there's so many ways they can do that. By listening, making a phone call, coming to a meeting, um, you know, being involved in service, um, and, and I have to look at that and keep open mind. There's a, a, a lot of ways. Um, I feel before I felt like I just had to carry that message by telling them what to do and what worked for me, and uh, I know that that scared a lot of people away. And for me, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear uh, uh, someone be Mr. S.A. to me. I just when people just came in and embraced, say, "Hey, how you doing?" and and, and just welcome me. Um, I think because for me, when I first came in the program, I was at a very tough place, very isolated, um, you know, couldn't accept love, couldn't give love. And, and just by being there and, and being around people, um, it, uh, it did a whole lot for me. And, uh, you know, I want to be able to do that with other people. And, and this, this convention this has been my first convention. Um, just really, just really, uh, love to see all the people from different areas and, and getting to talk to people and, um, and seeing kind of essay as a whole. And, uh, it's just, uh, amazing, um, you know, all the, all the talks and all the people in these rooms and, and, and here for the same thing, recovery. Um, so it's, I've gotten a lot out of this this weekend. And I know I said before, you know, how can I incorporate this and bring this back to the Rochester group? Um, because other people haven't had opportunities to come to this. So, um, you know, it's, it's been good. I, and I really like uh, the talk on the 12 stuff and everyone else's talk. So thanks. Hey, everybody. I'm John. I'm a sexaholic. And I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Uh... You know, I came to this session because it talked about spreading the joy. And I think that, for me, that's my role as a human being. I think that's all our roles as a human being. Because someone told me that life is supposed to be joyous. Without joy, you know, what's it worth? And the book, I learned a lot of stuff in AA about how to live life. And the big book says that God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. You know, free from... And I, at that time, I thought it was free from alcohol and drugs. And then later on, I learned that he also wanted me be, to be free from the sexaholic addiction. And uh, he and I... are Well, I argued with him about that. He didn't argue with me. He just waited. But um, today, I think it's about trying to spread God's love. And there's so many different ways that I can do that. Sometimes just holding the door for somebody. You know, sometimes it's just trying to be open to whatever God wants me to do and who God wants me to be. 
And it's also very easy for me to get self-centered, egotistical, and start throwing my own pity party in my head. And when I do that, I'm not God's servant. Um, I think it's also about hearing what people say in the meetings and then trying to help them out afterward. You know, going up and talking to somebody and saying, you know, this is what I've experienced. I think, our, like I said, I think our number one role is just spreading God's love. And each one of us is a part of God. And we're meant to be healthy and whole. You know, we're meant to be sane. Second step says, return us to sanity. And once we've reached some semblance of sanity, you know, God wants me to help spread some of that sanity and that wholeness to other people and help them feel the joy. Uh, I'm just, I'm glad that I stuck around long enough to overcome my feelings of undeservedness. You know, we walk in here and we just feel like I'm a piece of shit and I don't deserve anything. And I had to learn what life was all about. Life's about God just wanting me to be happy and free. And um, I know it may sound a little weird, but for me this morning, this meeting has been a spiritual experience. I mean, a lot of time, well, I, I feel like I've been to church. You know what? I don't need to go to church now. I feel like, cool, I got, I got what I need. And now I need to go out there and spread it to other people. And that's hard to do when you're halt, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Man, that is hard to do. But I just keep asking for his help to do it. So thanks, everybody. Have a good day. Have a safe trip home. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Rudy. I'm a sex addict. Um, helping others is is a problem for me, and uh, one of the reasons is a problem for me because of the messages that I've been getting through my, throughout my childhood, saying that don't be a sucker, don't let anybody ride you, you know, don't let anybody use you. Basically, that's the messages I I get, and. Uh, and my mother used to always say, I, I've been used my entire life, uh, and don't let, you don't be like me, you know, you be different. Don't let people use you. And what happened after, you know, when I get these messages and, uh, I, uh, what happened is, uh, I think what that person wants for me, you know, what that person wants for me, he needs something from me. So that's how I, end up being in total isolation with nobody to call, no friends, nobody, because I don't want to be used, so to speak. Uh, coming to the program, I found it different. People help you because they don't ask you for money, they don't ask you for anything, they just help you. And yesterday, a gentleman from Pennsylvania worked with me on my fourth step for two hours. He told his, he was here with his wife, told his wife, I have to work with this person. So, I mean, I'm not going to probably see him again. I mean, why he did it, uh, he did it, you know. At the end, he said, you know, don't think that you're helping me. Uh, you're helping yourself. You're helping me also. Um, so I, I I started to change my attitude. I've been in a program over a year. I, 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 first time I came in, it was uh, in October of 2010. In started in another S fellowship. I still go to another S fellowship along with SA. Um, and I've been taking calls and I've been making calls and, uh, I've been taking calls to the point that at work, my manager finally told me, you know, listen, <laughs> cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
but that but those messages from 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 the childhood is still coming in. There was a person that calls me every morning because mornings are triggering for him. He calls me basically to get out of bed. He basically wants me to tell him, you know, get your ass out, you know, uh, you know. Uh, so he'd been calling me and calling me and last couple of days, uh, last week, couple of days he didn't call me. I called him and asked him if everything okay. But those messages start creeping up. Look at this son of a gun. He used me and now he doesn't call me anymore. Uh, I mean, it is, it is what it is. You know, uh, the reason I'm saying this, number one, because honesty, that's what the big book says. You gotta be honest. And I find that when you're honest, other people appreciate it. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, that's what it is. But, uh, my attitudes are shifting slowly. And, uh, it's uh, it's uh, I'm a different than I used to be, uh, and uh, and one person in the program told me you don't worry about you help the person whether that person appreciates you or not. You know you just have to know that God always appreciates you. That's what He tells me. That keeps me going and helping others. You know. Thank you. Hi, I'm Don Sexaholic, and I hope I make sense. I didn't sleep last night here at the convention, uh, but I got a lot done. I did a lot of writing last night. I stayed up in the lobby, and, uh, you know, I got a lot productive, read a lot in the essay literature and different things. So, um, But, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what would I want to hear if I was a newcomer coming in? And, and I am a newcomer in a way. I always think of myself as a newcomer. It keeps me humble because I'm always in the beginning. You know, every day is a new beginning. And um, <clears throat> I think I'd want to see somebody's life change. That's what I'd want to see. You know, people can say whatever they want, but when you see somebody's life change, when you see their demeanor change, um and, and they talk about what's happened in their life because of the program, not bragging about, uh, like I'm 58 years old, I'm back to school now, going to college, you know. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have done that without, you know, these rooms. And, you know, I'm in another 12-step program too. Um, but I'll stick with the essay. I'm in, in essay now. And, uh, um, you know, it's amazing you know, when one addiction leaves you, how another one just works all the harder to get you. You know, it, it seems to. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm losing my train of thought because I'm, because <laughs> I'm kind of tired. But, uh, I think the joy of living is humor. And I, I, uh, I got a book recently. And I'll just say The Joyful Master. That's The name of the book was The Joyful something else. But The Joyful Master means the same thing. And it says the healing power of humor. And I think that's really important. I take People think that people that are humorous a lot of times aren't serious about their recovery. Well, they, got, they look through life in rose-covered glasses and this and that. And I think it's really important to have humor. I like to joke around. But I, I'm very much into recovery. I like recovery. Um, I'm very fortunate. I like spirituality. Um, before I even got into uh, 12-step programs, I was interested in why some people are happy and why aren't other people happy and stuff like that. I never wanted to talk about sports or politics or any of this other stuff that a lot of people do talk about. I was interested more in why are some people happy and other people not happy. And I can only speak for myself. Um, it's got to do with, for me, my higher power and the people in the rooms that are real and honest. I couldn't, I couldn't talk in my family about the things I could talk about in here. People know me better here than, you know, when I grew up with my brothers and sisters. They don't know half about me as, as much as the people in here know. And, uh, and they accept me no matter what I say. 
you know, about things. And uh, that's made all the difference in the world, you know. So if you're new, just keep on coming. And uh, I there's something else I wanted to say. Um, I read recently something, and, and it made a lot of sense to me. I never thought of it before. And I forgot what book it was in, but it says, Don't Search for Happiness. And I'm always searching, still search for happiness sometimes when I'm down, you know. It says, do the right thing. The book said, do the right thing and happiness will be the byproduct of it. So don't search for happiness. And I found that, you know, some wisdom in that. And, uh, the other thing is in the 12 and 12, they say something about, um, let's see, I lost my train of thought here. Um, Hmm. Now I'm afraid I'm going to forget, and I do. <laughs> oh, I can't. Oh, don't work just for sobriety. You know, and, and I never understood that. But last night when I didn't sleep, I said to myself, you know, sobriety is a byproduct of doing God's will. So if I'm thinking just of sobriety, I'm thinking to myself, well, how can I stay sober? What can I do for me? What can I... And I didn't understand that until last night I was thinking about it. And I've been in 12-step programs for 22 years. And um, but, if I, but if I work to do God's will and pray to love him and do his will, I think the byproduct is sobriety because that's what it's about for me. So that's all I got. Thanks. My name's Steve. Steve's a sexaholic. In the, I think it's in the white book. It says uh, we made the real connection. We were home, and uh, that's that's for joy. That's what joy's about for me. Being in this, uh, being at this conference, and I'm I'm listening. I was at this uh, meeting yesterday, and there were two guys that were talking about sponsorship. And I'm listening to these guys, and I'm getting tears in my eyes, and I'm looking at the way that their relationship, and I'm hearing their story, you know. And it's like for me, that's that's the real, that's the joy, that's the real connection. Uh, it does. I think one other one other person said, "It's like this is my church. I go to church. Church is nice, but when I go to the meetings, and I'm in the meetings, and I hear people are talking from their hearts, and they're being vulnerable, and they're sharing." About their lives, and that I get really, I get really excited about, and feel feel joy for that. Uh, I, I'm reminded, I uh, when I, I come to the come to this conference, and I, I'm reminded about the source of one of the sources of joy for me, which is being vulnerable. So I. Share where I'm at. I'm open, and I say something. I'm be vulnerable with somebody, and what happens when I do that? Then they open up to me, and then pretty soon, then we've got this connection going, and it's like this is this is the joy of the of the program, and and uh, that's what I'm seeking when I'm. Engaging in lust, I want this this joy. I want this connection. I want to feel outside of myself. And of course, when I do that, then I, it it ends up in pain and and guilt and shame and unhappiness. So uh, I'm thankful for this thankful for this conference and thankful for this opportunity to uh, feel connection we were in I was in a meeting yesterday there was a sh- on shame and it was in a small room with a with the table and people kept coming in and coming in it was packed there was around the people around the walls and sitting on the floors and sitting at the table and you know it's just I could feel this being enfolded in this power and um i'm grateful for that so
better than sex. I am Joseph, sexaholic. Fairly new to this program. I mean, I came for the first time. My first meeting was uh, three years ago. And I uh, stayed for a month after I had uh, one month of white-knuckle sobriety. Uh, lost my sobriety. Didn't have the, couldn't bear going back to the meeting, resetting my uh, sobriety date. And that convinced me that I didn't have a problem anyway. So, you know, with one month sobriety, you know, I'm, I'm okay. So, um, you know, so I was back three years later when I was convinced I had a problem. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I marvel about this program is that nobody ever comes into this program uh, without being in a, a, a state of crisis. I mean, nobody comes into this program because, you know, I've been, I don't know, I've just been thinking about something to do on Thursday nights, like <laughs> maybe maybe go to an SA meeting, you know, like they're talking about a cooking class or something. It, it, it doesn't happen. People come into this program because they're in crisis. And, and typically they're in this morass of their own problems, um, and they're just doing this, you know, that cycle of, uh, of sick thinking and, and they're in that, uh, soul sickness. And the wonderful, wonderful message of this program is, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Because I, I know when I came in, I, I thought that this was reality. And the way I thought was reality when in fact it was sickness. It was all sickness. I was just, you know, so into my own toxic mix of self-pity, anger, uh, victimhood, all that sort of thing. And the great message of this, this program is that it doesn't have to be that way. And I can remember saying, well, you know what, you, if you had my parents, if you had my dad, you know what my dad did to me? I used to dump on my dad. I used to love to dump on my dad. Because he did this, and he did that, and he did this. And, and the wonderful thing about this program is it says, so what? Well, so what? Well, don't you? Yeah, so what? You're responsible for you now. That was 30 years ago. What are you still wallowing around in that for? That was so freeing for me. Yeah. Why am I still wallowing around? Why wade around in that? So that was so freeing that I could move on. And, uh, you know, I had to get outside myself and, and reach out to others to be able to do that. Um, the uh, And, you know, as I'm learning more about this pro- program and, and what it's done for me, you know, I'm kind of getting excited about being able to take it to others because... I want to tell them, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, so anyway, I've been, that's kind of where I'm at. Thanks for, thanks for listening. I'd like to thank everybody for coming today, and uh, thank you for giving me the honor to chair this meeting, because it always is an honor to be a service to my higher power, who I choose to call God today. Anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant, the principles of the essay are found in our 12 steps and our 12 traditions. So, uh, as that, uh, I'd like to close this meeting with a moment of silence while our body's surrounded to prayer. You'd like to stand and hold hands, please.